Sports. Sportsnet 590. The Fan. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. And we're talking about ball hockey, damn it. We're talking about ball hockey. Uh, welcome to MVSW Wednesday with the one and only Greg Wyshynski from ESPN. Hello, Wish. How are you? You know, when I saw the news that NHL Street was coming our way, so uh, I, 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 someone awesome. texted me. They're like, is this the 90s again? And I, and I, I admitted the moment I, I read it, I read it. And the moment I saw the logo, I heard the DJ scratching a record noise in my head. Like, literally, legitimately, I heard, <laughs> I, I saw the logo. I'm like, wicka, 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 wow. And I'm like, wow, this is what is old is new again, baby. Yeah, no, listen, I love it. Well, I, I was mentioning this in, in the first hour. Like, I've looked at the the NHL, and I've said, okay, that brand is so strong, that brand is so identifiable, obviously, with, with hockey, that I don't know why the NHL doesn't try to capture more of the quote-unquote hockey capital H market. And the hockey capital H market doesn't just include ice hockey, but it includes ball hockey for the purposes of this conversation as NHL Street has just been announced and roller hockey and whatever other hockey um, you can think about or you can claim. And so I remember talking to Andrew Ference about this, I think it was like last March or maybe April, something like that. Maybe it was even later. It was leading up to, it was leading up to the draft as well. And we we're talking about, you know, how to grow the game and getting sticks in kids' hands. And, and most specifically... He talked about getting sticks in kids' hands that aren't in NHL locations, right? So how do we get more sticks in kids' hands if you're in Texas but you don't live in Dallas? How do you get sticks in more kids' hands if you live in Michigan but not Detroit, for example? I know that might be a poor one because there's a hockey culture there, but I think you know what, what I'm getting at. And I think NHL Street goes a long way to start to do that from ages 6 to 16 you know empty the notebook and empty your brain on this one what do you hear what do you know about NHL street because to me this is a great launching pad on route uh, on ramp rather to getting more people involved on the ice by getting them involved initially on the street or in the parking lot or on the big concrete slab somewhere involved in hockey well, first off, um, the initial markets are all current NHL markets. Um, they are putting a, a, a league in Austin, Texas, which I guess kind of fits yep. that, that purview you were talking about with Ference as far as getting it to a place where there isn't necessarily an NHL team. I love the idea that they're going to work with one of their branding partners to create uh, personalized jerseys <laughs> for participating yep. in NHL street. Like they, if you see the jerseys and I have them on my Twitter, they kind of look like soccer kits almost. Um, they're like wavy and cool. They've got uh, vertical numbers in the back, which is a nice touch. They're very neat. And, mm-hmm. and it, if nothing else, it would compel you to try to get into one of these leagues just to get some swag right now. Here's the thing about street hockey. I got two points to make about street hockey. One you kicked this off by talking about 1990s nostalgia. Well, there's a reason why it's nostalgia. They've been trying to use street hockey to expand the fan base 
for the better part of mm-hmm. my adult life. <laughs> okay, like this is the thing they've been trying to do over yeah. and over and over again. And I'm not saying it's a bad idea. Again, the reason, the two reasons why this exists is one, because the availability of ice isn't always inherent in a lot of non-traditional markets, right? So you have to bring hockey to a level where kids can play it no matter where they are. And then two, the cost of playing ice hockey is preposterously high and and out of the price range Mm -hmm. for a lot of kids that you might otherwise recruit to play the sport. So this is a, a cheaper entry point. One of the problems I've always had with street hockey as a proxy for NHL participation or fandom is that it's a different sport. I mean, it just is. It's played at a different tempo. Um, your approach is different. It's it's just a different thing. And, th- and that's why one of the planks of my platform, Merrick, is that if we can get yeah. the NHL All-Star game in a climate that would permit it, make street hockey or ball hockey a skills competition event every year. Give kids that are playing this game that would sign up for mm-hmm. NHL Street a chance to see, like, Kale McCarr running around in shorts or Nathan McKinnon on blades. Like, give them a chance to see what their stars look like playing the game they're actually playing so they can then emulate them, which is essentially how yeah. you make fans, to emulate the players that are on TV or at the arena where your parents are paying 500 bucks for a family of four to go see them. And... And highlight the players, and the one that comes to mind for me right away is Alex Burroughs. Yep. Highlight the players that have a ball hockey background. Like, you remember that yeah. overtime winner against Chicago 2011? I've always referred to it as the ball hockey goal because it's the ball hockey goal. It's jumping in the air, grabbing the puck, putting it down, and one-timing it. Like, I'm sorry, that's a ball hockey goal, right? That's not a traditional ice hockey goal. That's a ball hockey goal, and that's Alex Burroughs background there are plenty you know um terry ryan one of the great you know ball hockey players that canada's um ever produced as well as is alex bros a lot of these guys growing up all played ball hockey as well in in, uh, in a lot of leagues i played you know ontario ball hockey association growing up as well a lot of people did like there are wonderful associations all over north america Dude. and a lot of people that played in the nhl have all played in these associations as well it is canonical that I'm a horrible athlete. We've established this through the years. Um, <laughs> people, people who come at me with, you've never played the game. Well, you're absolutely right. I, I can't play the game. I'm not good at it. I'm not a good skater. I've never been a good skater. The, mo- the <laughs> majority of the time that I logged playing hockey was floor hockey. Yeah, It was floor hockey in like high school and like intramural floor hockey when I was a latchkey kid in middle school. Like that was the most hockey I ever mm. played. If you showed me that like Jack Hughes used to play floor hockey as, as an eighth grader, I'd be like, dude, that's incredible. I can aspire <laughs> to be that. But you're right. There, there's, yeah. an, there's a disconnect between the National Hockey League and the sport played on ice and what is happening at the street level. Now, my all-star idea is just one of them, but but you're right. Like, there needs to be more connective tissue. There needs to be more shared DNA between what we're seeing on the ice and what we see in a cul-de-sac. And, and one of the ways you could do that, too, is go on YouTube, go on TikTok. Trick shot artists are everywhere. And a lot of the times, these trick shot artists aren't doing their thing 
on a sheet of ice. They're doing it in a, in a driveway. Yep. They're doing it in a street. Um, you know, game on. Let's take the nets off the road while the car goes by. There, there needs to be more of that sort of, hey, here's what the best version of street hockey looks like. Hey, try this shot. Hey, do this. Hey, you could be this person. And there needs to be more of that, I think, to encourage kids to get involved, um, to, to know what it looks like to be good at a thing. I, I've just felt, I always felt that way, that there's always been that sort of disconnect between what you're hoping they're going to get into and, and what is actually mm-hmm. the thing that they want to do. So the other aspect, and if you're watching me on 360 right now, or watching Greg and I on 360 or Sportsnet now, I'm holding up a book called Wheelers, Dealers, Pucks, and Bucks, a rocking history <laughs> of yeah. Roller, Hockey Roller Hockey International, International. by Richard Neil Graham. I remember being a Toronto Planets fan back in 1993. They were the number one team in the Murphy division, as you'll very well recall, with a record of 10 and 4 and ex-NHLers like Dan Dau and Lou Franceschetti and a very young Manny Legacy uh, playing net on that team. Um, Ed Lubacic was the muscle, etc. Um, but again, like I, I look at the NHL again, we keep talking about extend the brand, extend the brand, but you know, not too far, so it's not too dissimilar from your own product. I'll throw roller hockey in there as well, wish. And I think you and I are on the same page about this one. I've been dying for the return of roller hockey somewhere, somehow, as a summer sport, but with pro hockey athletes, not unlike what RHI was, who had names like Manon Rayom. She was involved. Uh, Bernie Federko was involved. Like There were a lot of established NHLers that were involved in this. I'm like you when you're talking about you know nostalgia and going back to the 90s. RHI, baby, RHI. Yeah, the top three uh, rock and rollers in New Jersey's history were uh, Bruce Springsteen, Richie Sambora of Bon Jovi, and the New Jersey Rock and Rollers of the Roller Hockey International yeah. League, which had a lot. If you get a chance to to go on your Google machine and find the New Jersey Rock and Rollers logo, it is. I, I can't even Good explain to you how one undrawable it is, which is like the sin of every, any bad logo, but also how insanely yeah. '90s it is. It's amazing. Um, you bring up Manel Riom, and and it does make me curious your thoughts on the idea, like. One of the things that they've talked about in the three-on-three league that started last summer is could we make it co-ed? Could we get women's players involved? I think that's one of the first questions you ask if you ever did want to resurrect something like RHI because I think that's a natural spot for some of the women's national players that we have in the U.S. and Canada to get involved in this game. I mean, on a a basic street-level type of hockey and then all of a sudden, your entry points mm-hmm. to a league like that increase exponentially. Um, they do. Okay, off the ball hockey and off the roller hockey page. Uh, and that's great news coming out of the NHL today. And, uh, the, the seeds of this have been planted years ago. We'll see where this thing um, ends up. But uh, NHL Street, uh, as Greg mentions, and the league. Hang on. So we're – hang on. Let me grab the markets here. So this starts in the spring, summer. Initial markets, Austin, Boston, Edmonton, (laughs) Detroit, Pittsburgh, Winnipeg, and Vancouver. I wonder why no Toronto. All the people in Winnipeg crawling out of their subterranean holes 
uh, during the harsh winter to find roller hockey has populated their streets. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, okay, I want to get to uh, I want to get to your um, uh, top wingers around the NHL. Uh, last week we talked about netminders. This week we're talking about wingers. Um, but quickly, what's the most intriguing trade deadline story for you right now? Oh, uh, I mean, I would. I think it's probably still the Timo Meyer thing, not just because the Devils are involved in it, but because that is the arms race in the Eastern Conference is so fascinating right now because you do have the Rangers having made their move, Toronto may, having made their move, the Islanders having made their move, and now you're wondering uh, if Carolina and New Jersey and Tampa, let's not leave them out, um, although I don't, not quite sure if Timo Myers is a fit there, are going to make their moves. The, the, the attention has been focused inherently on the Devils and Hurricanes for obvious reasons. Um, I still think mm. at the end of the day, the Devils probably are the front runner. They have so much to offer if they wanted to really ante up to get this guy, and I think that they should. Um, but the St. Louis of it all is really intriguing too. I mean, obviously, I don't think any of us, when we saw Doug Armstrong amassing futures, thought that was in service of a rebuild it was clearly in service of uh a a quick turnaround back to contention and there's no question that Mm -hmm. you know timo meyer would help to that end i wonder about chikrin there with the with the totally now i I still think that st louis is probably looking to move a defenseman either colton pareko or tory krug uh, we'll see where that ends up. We talked so much about, I was mentioning this on the program yesterday, the day before, last week, who knows, about the idea of timelines. And since the O'Reilly and Tarasenko and Achari deals here, we've looked at it and said, okay, it's pretty obvious that they're doing it on a timeline where you need to complement the 24, 25, and 26-year-olds. And if you don't, well, maybe we end up finding a new zip code for you. I wonder about Chikor. And, then, and the reason why is... It does feel very much, Greg, agree or disagree on this one, it feels very much like in whatever deal Arizona makes here, they have about less than zero desire to take back money. Correct. Right? They want prospects. They want picks. They want things that that aren't going to cost them money right now. They'll pay later if slash when they get the new arena and get the cash registers going uh, in Scottsdale. In the meantime, I don't think they have really any desire to bring back anything sizable um, by way of salary. So St. Louis can satisfy that with the amount of first-round picks they have and prospects. And I think of, you know, whether it's Jake Neighbors or Joel Hofer, etc., they can do it. And that's why I believe, and you look at when they won the Stanley Cup, that blue line was a was a forest. That was a bunch of large. That was a bunch of oak trees on that back end, right? It was Petrangelo and Jay Bomeister, like Colton Pareko, big, large defensemen. If I know Doug Armstrong, I'm probably thinking he's looking at Jacob Trickrin and saying, "A, I like that kind of defender, and B, I think we have what Arizona wants right now." Completely, and he also he also probably C believes that. Chikrin is the defenseman that they lost in Petrangelo. Like, they wanted Pareko to be that guy. He couldn't be that guy. And they obviously mm-hmm. knew that Krug was only a Band-Aid on a bigger problem. But, I mean, Chikrin's got all the tools to be your number one, number one. Like, Chikrin, Chikrin's a tremendously good player. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I agree, I agree with you. And I also think that the, the LA Kings 
part of this, just from what I've heard from some people, it, it may have been overstated how close they were um, with regard to that, that one weekend when we were all glued to our phones. Would you agree with that? Or do you think that we were like inches away from a King's Coyotes deal? You were on that, that situation pretty good. I think it, I think it all revolved around, was Arizona going to take money back? And the answer was no. Right. Right. And, that, yeah, and once I, you, if I, you can't, I, if you can't I, cross I that bridge, that they, it's done. I think they sort of, that yeah and 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 that was like there there was no way they were going across that but i think that i'm of the belief that of the primary pieces involved there was at least some type of consensus between arizona and los angeles on who was going to be involved <laughs> in this deal yeah i think the hold up was probably cash the consensus being you're and not arizona getting Brian Clark. <laughs> That's the consensus, right? Brant Clark was never part of it. The, the, two, the two that they're not touching, Brant Clark and Quentin Byfield. Let's let's talk those, untouchables those for a second because that's what's been really intriguing me about the Devils and, and Meyer. Um, there was a report last night okay. from somebody who covers the Devils that the Sharks were – like a potential holdup in this deal is that the Sharks wanted Dawson Mercer. Would you give up Dawson Mercer in a Timo Meyer deal? I would, but I wouldn't give up someone like Natchez. Oh, no, no, no. I think Natchez and Hughes are untouchable. I think Natchez and Hughes are untouchable. I think Mercer is a really tough one to give up because he does give you... I mean, the Devils are really strong up the gut right now, right? Like with, with Hughes and, and Heischer. And, yeah. And if you have Mercer in, in the middle, too. Sorry, Nemich. Um, Did I say Natchez? Nemich. Simon Nemich. I, I, knew, I knew who you meant. Uh, there's, an M, there's, an, there's an N, there's an E, there's an M... They all, it sounds different than it's spelled. I know exactly who you're talking about. Listen, <laughs> okay. I, I think if you're, I think if the, if the payment is a first, it is two firsts, and we all know that means a first and somebody who went first, like yes. a, a first rounder in Holtz should do it in theory. Like a, that should in theory do it for the, for a Meyer deal. I, I wonder, I wonder if this is the traditional, we want three big pieces for this player. Hmm. Don't you? Don't you get that same? Like, it, well, as, the fact as, that he's as, as he's, one manager the, told me this this is going this price is going to be what you'd expect for a big player. The fact that he's 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 they have control over him this season and next is, is a huge factor. Yep. I'm sure whether or not they can sign him to something before they acquire him will be a huge factor. But I mean, like a first mm-hmm. Holtz and Mercer to me is is a bit rich. Ooh, that's a lot. That's, that's a, lot. a lot. Right. So, so at, at that point, I'd say, yeah, I wouldn't let go of Mercer. But I'm not saying that you wouldn't include Dawson Mercer in a trade for Timo Meyer. So, I the, I so we start to get into the hand. conversation of whether or not this is going to end up the thing with, about, like, the just, Horvat what, deal. One thing, thing about Mercer that is seductive, though, is he's a versatile player. He can play the wing. He can play center no. as well. Yeah. That's the one thing that I'm like, ooh, uh, he he is he is the kind of guy that you want. He's a let me put it this way. He's the kind of guy that you look for once you are a contender, and they already have him on the roster. That's that's the issue if the, if he's part of that deal. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, like the first obviously is out the door. Um, I, like I was saying to you just before, like it, it feels almost Horvat dealish. Like if you deal Mercer, that's your um, that's your roster guy. Then you trade a first, and then you you trade yeah. a a decent prospect. Although I guess you know the prospect the Islanders gave up to the Canucks within the context of their system was a top five guy. I don't know. I, I mean, again, like 
the Devils clearly clearly have enough to get this done. It's just a matter of what it would take. Yeah, to me, the uh, the the Devils have what the San Jose Sharks would want, as do the St. Louis Blues. And what have we heard before? All you need is two teams. All you need is, is, is two teams to get something really goofy wish. Like, if you want to make this thing, like, really ridiculous, all you need is two teams being against each other. Like, look, I think the New Jersey Devils can have, like, I think we all do. Like, we look at the Devils and say, this team could have a really deep run. And this team can be good for a lot of years. What's that worth to you? If you believe that the final piece of your puzzle is someone with size and skill. Someone that can which get the puck to Jack Hughes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which, which it is, right? Is. Yeah. Like, well, here you go. Here's that. Here's that missing piece. What's it going to be worth to you? Because the proposition of give me something in exchange for nothing um, only works in media. It doesn't work in the real world. <laughs> That's, that proposition doesn't work in the NHL. Do you think the Lightning go sneaky big, or do you think that they, they tweak? I think... Okay, I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw a name out at you. Come on, baby. Let's go. Think. This is... This is a Tampa Bay Lightning name in the spirit of the Tampa Bay Lightning. As much as we focus on the skill of the Tampa Bay Lightning um, and how seductive watching Kucherov and one-timers from Stamkos and Andre Vasilevsky, one of the best, if not the best netminder in the NHL, and Hedman and Sergachev and go right down the list. This is also a team that's really dirty and really nasty, and I say that as a compliment. Mm. If I'm Tampa, I'm trying to bring in Garnet Hathaway. Oh, all right. The Washington Capitals. I like it. Just in this in the spirit of sure we have Hagel, sure we have Perry, sure we have Maroon, but there's always it seems like there's this never ending thirst for the Tampa Bay Lightning to bring in players that are miserable to play against. You know, we always talk about how you know, it's, only the, it's only the fool that bets against the Tampa Bay Lightning and how they continue to succeed in the playoffs. And Stamkos has talked about the switch and how they know how to turn it on. I don't think that that's just skill. I think it's they understand, and Julian Brisebois gets this, and John Cooper coaches it really well. They know that when you're playing in a best-of-seven series, part of the deal is you need to try to make the other team quit. You need to make the other team say, no mas. You need to make the other team say, I don't want to do this anymore. And that's part of what I think the secret sauce for Tampa is. They have a lot of guys that make you want to quit. They have a lot of guys that make your life miserable. Now they have the high skill set to go along with. I didn't even mention Braden Point. They have that along with it, but they have miserable, miserable players. It's awesome. It's great. And I look at Hathaway as the Capitals continue to fall out of this thing, and to me, that's the guy I'd be circling. Yeah, 1.5 against the Cap, uh, UFA this summer. That's not a bad no choice, problem. Mr. It's not going to be expensive. It's not going to be not going to be expensive, but come playoff time, you're like, ooh, man, that Hathaway deal. Oof. Just like you'll look at, oh, that Hagel deal, nice, or that Nick Paul deal. Oh, that oh, Nick Paul nice. deal, yeah, that's the one that really kind of stands out for you. Do you think as currently constituted, the Lightning can beat these Leafs? Yes. I think Tampa can beat everybody, like honestly, and that includes the Boston Bruins. I do not bet against Tampa. I just refuse. I just think that they are that good, that deep, um, that seasoned. I know a lot of miles on the on the back. I get no, it. It's I know not they've the, skated it, a lot. I know it's been it, a lot of it, years. But I'll take Tampa miles. in like I'll take Tampa in every series. 
I'll take Tampa okay, in every series. I just love it's, them. It's not the miles. It's the attrition. I mean, at, at some, you know, they lose the Stanley Cup last year partly because they don't have Gord, they don't have Coleman, they don't have Goudreau. Okay, now they don't have McDonough. Yeah. Now they don't have Palat. Like, this is, this is five of the most important players from their back-to-back Cups that are now off the roster. I get and it. I don't know if they've sufficiently replaced them. And I don't know if you can replace what Palat gave them in the playoffs. And that's what gives me pause about putting the Lightning over against the Bruins or putting them over against the Leafs, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah. I'll still, I, 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 you asked me, am I, do I have faith that Tampa, Tampa can beat Toronto in the opening round? Absolutely. But again, like un, until I've been absolutely, until you've killed that monster, I still think. <laughs> like as, as long as the Tampa Bay Lightning have like a flicker of life, like they're the undertaker. I'm sorry. Like you have them on the ropes, they're going out. No, they're not. They're not, man. Like that's Tampa. There's just there's there's just too many really good playoff players on that team. I just won't well, bet against them. I won't. I can't. I refuse unfor- to do. It. Unfortunately, the Leafs they reached under the do ring. You? They found us. They found a sledgehammer named O'Reilly. <laughs> They're gonna hit the Undertaker in the head with it. Do do hey, I? No. I, here, the reason the reason that that I give I give the. The reason I give the Lightning a chance against the Leafs, or one, it's the Leafs, and, and, and you talk about until proven otherwise, until proven otherwise, they can't get out of the first round. No. And the other thing, too, is that but, of the remaining players that this team has, you have you have four that you could put into any playoff series and I'll be convinced you can win it, which is Braden Point, Nikita Kucherov, Victor Hedman, and, and most of all, Andre Vasilevsky. So, I mean, like, as long as you've got that quartet, you have a chance to win any playoff series. But I think your chances greatly d- decrease when you've lost your checking line and haven't sufficiently replaced it. When you've lost Ryan McDonough, who came up with many, many big moments for them in the postseason. And when you lost yeah. Andre Palat, who came up with all of the big moments for them in the postseason, or seemingly so, over the last four seasons. I, I do, they've not replaced it. And that's what gives me pause. Like, to they're me- still the lightning... They still got those four dudes. Yeah, they still got yeah. the best postseason goalie this side of Martin Brodeur, but they don't have those guys <laughs> anymore. To me, that's the big one. The big one is Andre Palat because you can look at Ryan McDonough and say, okay, we understand it. It's cold heart, but whatever. Julian Breezebois has got to make decisions. So they lose Ryan McDonough. He goes to the Nashville Predators. They can afford to do that because, you know, who have they been using in a bottom-pairing role? Mikhail Sergachev, and all of a sudden he's your second left D on your top six yeah. on, the, on, the, on the blue line. Yeah. Like you have that luxury. So I think you're a little bit insulated there. Man, the one that kills is Palat. That's the one that, that's the one that I look at, which like I'm with you. I look at losing Palat, who I've always looked at as a mini Hosa. He's a mini Marion Hosa. Like mm-hmm. that's the really, really tough one. That's a real tough one to lose. That's a tough one to recover from. Yeah. But and, 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 you have and, skill, and, and you make it they miserable, they and do. you have Vasilevsky. I don't know, man. The, the, the luxury is I don't have to make a pick in this series until we get to the series. So we'll see how things play out. We'll see what injuries happen. We'll see what the trade deadline brings us. But uh, I don't know. This, this Lightning team is, is not, not the Lightning team we saw for the last three seasons. Uh, let me ask you about, uh, about wingers. Yes. And we got like or, we got like ten okay. minutes here. 
Uh-huh. Okay, so we got uh, you got David Pasternak in a number. First of all, for those that that don't know, um, in your in your piece about uh, the top ten wingers uh, weighed in by executives and players, everybody voting for the best here. Um, Ovechkin's going to go down as one of maybe the best winger of all time. Period. But he's barely in the top ten at this point in his career. Just comes in. At number 10, number one, David Pasternak. You know, I was saying to Haggerty yesterday on the show, like, we all know this is going 11 million times eight. What's the holdup? We all know what's going to happen here. Uh, Pasternak in at number one, Kucherov in at number two, Karel Kaprizov three, Mitch Marner four, and then number five. Still, even though he continues the pile of points and he's versatile, etc., the underrated Miko Rantanen. What surprised you in your top 10 uh, by way of voting of players and executives? You know, the list wasn't that that bad. I, I was a little surprised to see Jason Robertson at nine. Um, I thought given the hype, you might see him in that six, seven area. I think the top five are pretty much the yeah. top five across the board. Uh, two things. One, the Alex Ovechkin part of this, there were a lot of people that were surprised that he actually was 10th. There were a lot of people coming at me with your Jake Gensels and, and your others that uh, they believe should be number 10 over Ovechkin. I got a line from an NHL veteran player on Ovechkin that I will repeat here. You get him in Buffalo mm-hmm. on a Tuesday night, and Ovechkin might not be in the top 100 wingers, but you get him against Pittsburgh on a Saturday <laughs> night, and he might be top three. It's one of the greatest lines I've heard in a long time, and it, it actually probably Good. is is true. Here's the guy that I'm fascinated by, Merrick. Number eight. Okay. Matthew Kachuk. I think if you take the totality of Matthew Kachuk, offense, defense, Mm -hmm. play driving, Mm -hmm. all of the things he does, could you make a case that Matthew Kachuk is the best winger in the National Hockey League this year? He's better defensively than Pasternak. He's certainly better defensively than Kucherov. Um, And I think he's probably better defensively than Kaprizov. He's not as good defensively as Marner, but he's better offensively, in my opinion. I think Matthew Kachuk's total package could be a number one guy. You know who I think total package could be a number one guy, and I've had him on heart ballots before, is Brad Marchand. All right. And I've also had him on Selkie ballots before totally yep as a as as a winger i i think that i think your point about kachuk is a really good one like i'm biased i've loved this guy forever i love everything about his game he's one of my favorite players to watch but so is brad marchand like i'm with you i get that everybody loves the goals and seduced by you know skill certainly but when you look at the totality of a player i'll put marchand up there and i'll put matthew kachuk as well Th- those those two guys i could see like if i'm voting for it those two guys are higher I think, first of all, I agree. I think Marchand isn't the offensive player that Kachuk is, but he's better defensively than Kachuk is, without question. I don't know. I, I, again, I, it's, hard, it's hard to knock good. down David Pasternak when David Pasternak is having the season that he's having and when David Pasternak, I think, is 28 points clear of the next leading score on the Bruins. Like, he's great. No question. <laughs> I got no problem with David Pasternak. He's one of yeah. my favorite people in the National Hockey League. But he's not really as elite defensively as some of the other total package wingers on this list. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's what kind of gives me pause about it. But the Ovechkin thing at 10, I think is about right. Like he's again, he's an all timer, but at this point in his career, he's, I mean, 
let's 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 put him in that that Eric Carlson category of he'll care about defense when he needs to, and leave it at that. You know who's kind of you know we're all sort of waiting to to crack that top ten, and at times we see him and we go, okay, boom, there he is, then he's finally arrived, rip, rip off like an insane ten game streak, is. Um, is a guy who plies his trade with the Carolina Hurricanes, mm. who every year I say this is the year he finally competes for the Rocket Richard because he has that skill, and that's Svechnikov. Mm-hmm. Um, Don't you get I the think... feeling that by now, because now we're talking about like same draft class, Rasmus Dahlin in the Norris conversation. Don't you think by now we should have been talking about Svechnikov in regards to the Rocket Richard trophy? Sure, but but I think w- you have to remember that part of this whole gig with this ranking and all the rankings that we're doing, as you'll see when we do the centers tomorrow, uh, playoffs matter uh, to the people that observe the game within the game. And that's kind of the problem with Svechnikov right now, is the playoff output. He knocked out Lindholm last year. Locked out mm. Lindholm. He knocked out Lindholm. Shh. Last year, if, Lind- if Lindholm's still in, the, still in the playoffs, maybe Bruce Cassidy's still coaching the Bruins. Cool. I, I appreciate that. But it, was Lindholm in the back of the net? Did he hit him there? Because that's where that's where he needs to be hitting is the back of the net. It's one of the problems oh. with this Carolina oh, team. That's why they, they had to go out and, 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 and acquire Patchy Ready. They had to go out and get Burns. They had to get Stasny. They had to get guys that could score that goal at a critical time. Yeah, I but know. Withholding but the Carolina Hurricanes like from getting over the hump. But he's part of the problem. Look at his numbers. He's, he's, he's right there. He should be. Sure. Look at the skill set and the size and all of it. I completely. Ah. He is an incredibly you know skilled player who should definitely be uh, in the conversation for most you know, talent. He should definitely put up re- uh, regular season numbers better. But in the playoffs, Merrick, in the playoffs, he's got 13 points in his last 25 games, and that doesn't cut it. You, you know who's going to be on your list maybe as soon as next season? Brad. said his name earlier. Oh, that's a good one, too. Martin Natchez. Sure. I, Who, I agree. when you just look at skill set, might be the best might be the best player on the Carolina Hurricanes on a team that's loaded with skill. Better than but Ajo, we'll see about huh? playoffs. Ooh, Sebastian yes. Ajo is pretty good defensively yes. though, isn't he? Just skill. I'm just talking about pure skill. I'm just talking about pure skill. I just want the Hurricanes to excel in the postseason because then all of these guys get the rub. Like, that's what's kind of holding back all these guys from being household names, tip of the tongue players in these rankings that we do. It's like they just haven't done it. They haven't gotten over the hump yet. They haven't played for anything yet. Yeah. Hey, real quick, what do you see them? Because we got to hustle here. What do you see the Hurricanes doing at deadline? I know they're looking for big fish, you know, the guy in San Jose, for example. But what do you see um, as a replacement for Max Patch already? They have to absolutely get, like you said, replace the goals that they thought they were going to get in Patchy Ready. Um, I don't. I'm not dismissing the idea that it could be Patrick Kane if he wanted to go there. But that's if he wanted to go there. Oh, that would be a story. Okay, let's uh, let's end on that one. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing the center rankings tomorrow at ESPN. Thank you as always, oh, Greg Wyshynski. And uh, listen, great news about ball hockey. That's awesome. Yes, absolutely. And by the way, the center rankings tomorrow, spicy, spicy center rankings tomorrow. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's great. Spicy by way of um, (laughs) omissions or inclusions? Uh, Spicy, spicy by the way of omissions, but also spicy by the way of uh, this guy over this guy. It's good stuff. Okay. 
we'll watch uh, we'll watch out for that one. Thanks, bud. We'll talk to you in seven days. Anytime. Take care. Greg Wyshynski from ESPN, MVSW, Redux, every Wednesday here on The Merrick Show. Uh, Got to hit a break because when we come back, I want to play a pretty big chunk here of the Jake Allen interview that Elliot and I did last Friday. Uh, you will hear Jake Allen create the perfect goaltender. That's next as The Merrick Show continues across the Sportsnet Radio Network, simulcast on 360 and Sportsnet Now. Keep it here.